to the Y Hockey Fire Row podcast. With me is Matthew Lichtenstadter. Fire Row, what year is this? I don't know. I'm asking myself that every game day. Well, where's, um, the because... where's the plane? Where's the plane? I'm trying to set up the GoFundMe. Um, I'm just trying to square away the bank accounts and everything. We could try that. We could try that. I've got a check coming in the mail in a couple of days that might help the, out a little bit with that. Maybe enough the, for the, the best thing of, of, you know, keeping the free row, like, you know, the, or the fire row, like the, uh, you know, this is just like a repeat of, uh, of 2000, whatever. 17. Or 2000 and forget it. Um, is we it'll going... save money because the banner's already made up. I mean, we just we just find the guy who did it last time, and we just pay him to just do what he did last time. I think just like how much that. is it, and we'll just give him the money for it, and he he do it for us. Well, because so. it embarrassed them the last time. Yeah. We we thought that we weren't going to be doing this, but then after a night of sleeping on it, we decided that we were going to do this. I wanted to put this on the George Richard podcast, and I hope you listen to that interview. Uh, I love how at least in one part of every podcast, uh, there's talk about how there's talk of or planning on doing the podcast. <laughs> I know. It, it is so inside baseball, but that's just how it works here at Y Hockey. That's what we do, right? We, we podcast on a whim, and we podcast when we feel like we've got something to say, or in this case, get something off our chests. But I hope you enjoyed the George Richards interview. Uh, it was good to talk to him. Uh, we'll definitely have more guests on. At some point, we're just going to spend probably February and March talking about Capo Caco and how amazing he is and how great it'll be for him to be at the Panthers, but they'll help yeah. not draft him. I mean, I'm talking maybe mid-January. I think we have to move that time frame up on when we're going to be talking about it. could be mid-January. I'd be totally okay with that because Capo Caco's great, and, and we'll uh, be watching we'll him like a hawk. At the... <laughs> we'll be watching Western... him like a hawk at World yeah. Juniors, right? Yep, and there'll uh, be a lot of Western Hockey League yeah. players talk about too good uh, year for them it's a good year for the w in the draft apparently uh but i want to get to some some panthers things that we can't necessarily say in writing whether that be on the rat trick where both of us write or whether it be on twitter about what's going on with the panthers and this stems from a piece on litter box from shane o'donnell who i respect who has very good opinions and has a good writing style and writes pieces that have a lot of facts to them and a lot of meat to them that I agree with mostly, but we have to talk about the idea that he proposed, and I don't think he's wrong in principle, but in practice, this idea has flaws. That goaltending is the biggest problem with this team. We've talked a lot about how this goaltending is bad. I mean, there is no doubt about that, but you and I both agree, and I mean, we, you've mentioned this for a long time, and so you're always out ahead of the curve on this. And I follow along because eventually I see that you're right, which stinks because I have to admit somebody else is right. I hate doing that, but you're a good friend of mine, so I'll admit you're right. But this team is getting not great goaltending. But to say that it's the biggest problem with this team right now is it's not true. I don't know how anybody can watch the Panthers as they are playing as we see them, not just with Reimer and Nett, but the last three games with Luongo, and tell me, that the biggest problem with this team is goaltending, because it isn't. The goaltending average this year in the league is 902 save percentage. Luongo's at a 903. His goals against is a little bit above three, so these things are are at or slightly above or below average. So Luongo's had a pretty average year based on NHL goaltending in 2018-19 when no one can save a beach ball. James Reimer's save percentage is 889. Now in recent years, that would be horrific and terrible this year, it's still horrific and terrible, but the scale's a little bit different because nobody can save a puck this year. And a lot of teams have had goaltending problems. But to say that the biggest problem with this team right now is goaltending is it's just not true. I don't know how you could watch the Panthers in the last couple of games and tell me that goaltending's the biggest issue. Because Luongo, in all of these games, I mean, outside of maybe Tim Peel's crotch scoring a goal, how many of these goals are Luongo would you legitimately blame on him? I can't blame many of them on him. James Reimer, even in giving up five, there was one that he absolutely shouldn't have given up, but the others, I'm like, you know what? They're not great goals, but the team in front of you did not help you out at all. And that's where we have to get into the discussion that this team is so bad defensively that good goaltending only can do so much. And I don't think adding seven hundredths of a percentage to Luongo's save percentage is going to make this team that much better. And I know you agree with this. 
I agree with that. I mean, I think that there's like three time frames. There's the immediate help they need. There's the help they need over the season, and then there's the long term help they need. Long term, goaltending is the biggest issue. Immediately, everything's the biggest issue. Well, but I would say, I would say their team play, game. their team play defensively is the biggest issue. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, long because I, I, I mean, there's. At, at Crowd Sports, uh, Cam Anderson, I, I think his name is. I'm probably butchering that. Probably Chris or something. Uh, I just retweeted something the other day. He did like teams point pace adjusted the league average goaltending, and Florida goes from 24th to 16th. And like, great, they're on the bubble. Like they are every year. How is that? That's not good. That's not saying that they're a good team. This is the best iteration the florida panthers have ever put out that's not saying much but you'd expect that to be an improvement on the constantly being ranked 14th 16th 17th by the metrics or by this standard or by this you know like that's where they always end up the bubble that that's not where they want to be that's that's not good enough and that's especially not what they build and hype and said all the way through training camp it was going to happen. I think maybe and that's the disconnect. Still deny it. I think maybe that's the disconnect that I have with with Shane. It's like I, I get where he's coming from, and that fact is elucidated with that that tweet you posted. I did see that too. And yeah, with league average goaltending, they'd be a league average team. This team has one of the best two way centers in the league, as Ale- and Alexander Barkov has Jonathan Huberto playing the best dang hockey of his career. Has Evgeny Dadanoff way outperforming what he's making. Mike Hoffman having a great season. Aaron Eckblad. Has Yandel, Yandel actually, for the first time in his contract, playing up to it? Yeah. Like playing, Ekblad, you know, playing up to the and being used properly. Aaron Eckblad sneakily having a really good season again. He had a bad start, uh-huh. but is sneakily starting to uh-huh. play some good hockey. I mean, none of the defensemen are having good defensive years. I'd say save. Keith Yandel, I think, is having, for him, a good defensive year. Yeah. And of I don't really have issues with him, which is odd. I, I, it's an odd taste in my mouth right in this moment. This is, of course, true. But what else can you say? I mean, like, they've got good players, but they don't fit together. It's, and It's the bad team from – it's the team that really wasn't going to go anywhere when they got to the playoffs that they haven't really addressed. They've just kind of broken apart and reassembled in different stupid crippling ways uh, with new contracts and new, you know, they got pretty much the same coach that they had last time, except this, this one doesn't have the trust and respect of his players. So it's clear by the way they play. So it, it's way less effective. It's, it's you know, the, Longo's hurt more, so he's way and older, so he's way less effective. But it's pretty much the same team in just different situation and context and responding, but responding the same way. They're not doing much to get better. Uh, they're calling up Anthony Greco to see what he's got, uh, which I don't. I think people need to understand that, like when I was playing hockey growing up, coaches would tell us that. You know what they call an 18-year-old freshman in college? A first-round draft pick. You know what they call a 19-year-old freshman in college? Possibly a minor leader. You know what they call a 20-year-old freshman in college? Meh. Like, that's just... the Anthony Greco was late to produce in the USHL. Kind of late to produce and didn't really produce all that well at Ohio State. And, you know, he's doing all right at the NHL level, getting pumped time. Like, he is one of their favorite pets. They, they give him all the opportunities, everything, for the last two years. Of course, a guy in his statistical prime, he's 25, is going to do well at the level he's, he's supposed He's a minor leaguer. He skates well enough to be a minor leaguer. He scores enough goals, but that's about all he does. He doesn't put up enough assists. He doesn't really play make. He definitely doesn't play defense. I don't think I've really seen him play much defense in the AHL or and last night in the nine minutes he played didn't he didn't do anything the defense in the offensive zone just abused him and it created at least one goal 
and uh, a few chances. I mean, he just was – they put him on the second line. I don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. It's frustrating because there's guys like Jay Towerluck who's the same age or almost the same age by now, who's an actual prospect, who's been delayed because of injuries and, you know, um, getting Mike Hoffman and some things like this, but he's been playing well. He deserved the shot, and I don't understand why. I, to this, at the recording of this podcast, Friday, after work hours, happy hour, maybe Howard Lewis coming up. All we know is that Greco is definitely not coming back. He's sent down. He's not playing again. Dryden Hunt's Hunt finally getting sent down. Hunt and Greco, both of them. It's amazing. Like, I, why was Anthony Greco compared to Dryden Hunt? And both of them are in the undrafted lotto tickets to become everyday NHLers. Dryden Hunt compared to Anthony Greco is like three to one in Dryden Hunt's favor. Like, his pedigree his age, his overall tool set, what he's done at the AHL level. Like, it's just not even on, it's not on the same level as Greco. And they treat Greco like he's, you know, one of a prospect with just as good of a chance as Borgstrom. I mean, they put him on the second line, like, in his first NHL game. Like, I, and started him. I, I don't get it. Okay. So, well, let's go into a couple of things here, uh, firstly. Um, yeah, the talk about Greco was a little bit ridiculous because, like, he's going to save the Florida Panthers at this point when they absolutely should not like, have been calling him up. It made it's possible he becomes a cup of coffee guy and has 30, 40 games over a couple years, you know, in, in the NHL. But well, let's that's see, like, look, look at Dryden Hunt. He's played a billion games. He can't score for beans. He's at least somewhat he's... better defensively. Oh, I think he's way better, but he also like makes way better passes. He, I think he's just, I think he's as good of a skater because he doesn't just stick to the outside. And, and he's and not things bad, like, but I mean, like he yeah, hasn't I mean, added anything. Like let's again, all... Dryden Hunt. Like you can't put Greco in the bottom six, and maybe that's why they put him on the second line because like is like there's no way this guy can play bottom six minutes. In the NHL. Oh, so then, no. like, it's just his shot was so limiting. Limited. It just makes no sense. Well, there's also the Yuho Lamico thing, and Lamico at least played pretty well defensively. I mean, he's offensively not been there, but defensively, you can see all the reasons why he's well liked and he earned a I spot. mean, I think he's he's been there offensively. I think it's just going to take him a lot longer for those, for him to go from producing chances to producing. Uh, goals and it's because he plays such a like he's an F3 on a fourth line and he's got Troy Brower and Colton Sevier and Colton Sevier usually has good finish but this year I don't know what happened to Colton Troy Sevier. Brower had six goals this year Colton Sevier's gone into hiding but he's not Troy Brower had a few empty nets but uh I think Yuho Lamico just need is an NHL player at this point like and here's the thing based on the other bottom sixers they don't He's he's fine, but he's not good enough to to put up points in the NHL. Like Lamico's a fine player that you need, but that's what we're talking about in comparison to Dryden Hunt and Anthony Greco and calling all them up as opposed to calling up the guy who you should have called up in November, but they didn't in Borgstrom. And Howerluck. Chase Howerluck is a what thirty second overall draft pick from from two thousand and fourteen. Yep, Lamico was like, picking like after Howerluck in that. How many second round draft picks do we have to waste? Before we decide, like, huh, like, Jace Howell has never played an NHL game. Yep. Well, yep. you know, like, of course, I'm going to go. Dryden Hunt here. hasn't scored an NHL goal. And how many times has Dryden Hunt been called up? Like, I know. I know. Well, here's, let's go look at some Panthers' recent second round draft right. picks, because I think we should do that. In 2010, the first one for um, our, our friend Dale Talon, McFarland, Petrovich, and Brickley. Meh. 2011, Grimaldi. <laughs> Petrovich is fine enough. I mean, like if if you take if you draft a defenseman in the second round and it turns out to be Petrovich, you can't really. That's not too bad. No, it's not too terrible. But if that's the scale that we're grading on, and then I mean, Grimaldi, who no Rasmus Bankston, that didn't work. 
2012, they didn't have a second rounder. 2013, McCaution hasn't quite worked out, although I think he deserves a shot. Well, but, yeah, but, but and then there's, Luck's still the same there's thing. a mixed bag. Like, the thing is, like, if you are a team that just, like, scouts and you're just normal NHL-level aptitude in scouting and developing and transitioning people from the AHL to the NHL, from juniors and college and all that stuff, you're going to, like, hit on, what, like, 20 25% of your picks. The Panthers' development makes them miss on so much more. Then and then they have sometimes have bad draft decisions on top of that, <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether it was Talon or Rowe or whoever. Like some, you always expect bad draft decisions, but you know the amount and the and the repeated um, pattern and how and why it is concerning. Well, of course it is, but at least the decisions off the top are getting slightly better now than they have been. But yeah, let's let's quickly talk about just the, they're, it looks like now they're going to call up Borgstrom because it's so bad that they have to do something. This to me, but like, doesn't that make it worse that like? Well, yeah, it, like, it makes it really terrible that this is they the called last up Greco. Everyone, yeah. I mean, it's like they've saved it because of development. They don't want to yo-yo a player, and I mean, I agree with what George Richards said. You don't want to play him on a fourth line, but you know, well, you I mean, that was obviously there. not a He's problem. You can the second. That was obviously not. Spot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The 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 lot of like you can't put. You don't want to play Borgstrom in the fourth line, so he couldn't come up. Is officially dead once Greco got called up and immediately started the game on the second yeah, line. Yeah, that that to started, me opened the game. Like that just proved that Boogner just that that wasn't an issue with Boogner. No, because I mean, he wouldn't have put Borg. He he wouldn't have been like, oh, we can't put Borgstrom anywhere. Like, Borgstrom, if he calls up, he needs to be playing on the second line with Dadnoff or Hoffman or Vitrano immediately. And I mean, I think it's got to be with one of Dadnoff or Hoffman and Vitrano or and McCann on the wing or and Bugstead or and somebody. Like, you got to give him at least one and a half wingers. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that you, you talk about. You always send me Springfield lineups. And you see who he's playing with. And we heard from some people who've watched He finally got first line time, but it was with... Uh, Joel Lowry? Horton Here's a Who or something like that. and uh, Not Nathan Horton, somebody else. Like, like how are yeah. you complaining about him being Thompson. up and down in, in the AHL when he's playing with AHL lifers? When, that when is, that past, is a huge problem. When to get first line minutes in the AHL means he has to play with a grinder and Thompson, or like at best Dryden Hunt and Thompson, yeah, or Greco and Thompson. I mean, I wouldn't mind Greco or like Greco and Dryden Hunt and Borgstrom on the first line. That's like, oh, that's like borderline pushing it. Like, I think Florida Panthers fans just don't really know how deep and how good and how. Like, with the level of quality hockey should be at that level. It's well, because not, it's, it's been so bad that it's the not, first set's not loud. Yeah, and, like, the, the for whatever reason, Springfield's doing good. So, I guess I don't want them to change too much. And so, like, I'll take Borgstrom on the first line with those wingers. But um, he's now about to be called up because he has to be. He should have been when Trojan was hurt. I mean, well, obviously, again, duh. I mean, and, like... We've been saying that. Can we, can we talk about something? I mean, I I, mean, I don't want to say anything bad about Denisenko. I still like that pick. He was one of the three guys I said that I was happy if they picked. But with the way Rasmus Gupari, a center, is having chemistry with Aleski, Ale, Alexi Heponiemi in Finland at Carpat, um, maybe they should have drafted a center last year. I still year think it's early Gupari to say that. Is, I mean, I'm looking at their centers. I mean, I I still argue Trocek is not the two center. Um, I don't know. I don't think Borgstrom's a center. I I I mean, we have to see it at two C, and that's why you do it this year. So next, so by you know going into the draft, you know going into the off season, how Borgstrom takes as a two C in the NHL at twenty something right before his prime. You get to make that call. You got to see it. You got to see yeah. it at the NHL level. 
And, and and that's why I'm saying call him up, play him. Like it doesn't make any sense. See, here's the other thing about it. Like, like McCann's not doing. Like I don't even think McCann's a third line center. Like he's he. I don't. I mean, like McCann's probably a fourth line winger or fourth line center on a playoff team. And that's how Panthers fans need to start acting, and then start having that standard. If well, if they okay. want to do anything so, better than being like possibly, shall we, shall we say something here? They're about to play the Leafs. If Borgstrom plays, I'm now suddenly much more interested in that game as opposed to watching the Leafs have another home game. But well, I wouldn't play him against the Leafs. Well, they're going game. to because they have to. But I mean, I don't think they have to. Oh, they're going to. They're going. I would to. call. I would call Harrelick and Borgstrom up, and I would put Haley in the lineup, and and just let Borgstrom watch from the press box. And then you play him against Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but here's what the Leafs have, and the Leafs are going to probably finish second in the Atlantic behind Tampa, and they have Matthews, Tavares, their third line center is Nazem Kadri, who for years was their first line center, and people like, but knew he's not really this good, and now he's a third line center on a really good team. That's what we're talking about. What the Panthers have to compete with for a generation, you know what I mean? And what do they have? They've got a great first line center. We know that. We've got a couple of guys who could be second-line centers but might have skill sets that suit them otherwise. I mean, even look at Buffalo. Look at what the Sabres are doing, right? You know, these are things that the Panthers have to address. And at least we're going to see him, and that's important because it means, firstly, we know what he can do at the NHL level now, and we know what his level is. He's a key piece of this team going forward. Until he gets called up and played, then we'll all believe it. But... I mean, they, they need more centers. They need, and they need to figure out defense. Okay, like, can we talk about some of these defensive breakdowns? Do we have to talk about it again? Like, yeah. why I mean, does he have these defensive breakdowns every single game that look exactly the same? Because I'm not a hockey X's and O's guy like you are, because I've never played. I've barely skated. But I can watch this game, right? And I can see, okay, the wingers have flown the zone already, so you're asking the defense to do so much to get the puck up the wall and out. But also... The gap control, there's no gap most of the time. Look at where the defensemen are activating up the walls in the offensive zone. And so there's always space in behind them because they, they, they beg the D to start the play in the offensive zone when it really shouldn't be like that. They've got it backwards. And then you always see these defensive breakdowns. How many times do we see it? They gave up a couple of them against the Wild that you're just going like, really? I mean, Reimer made a couple of saves. Sometimes they miss these shots, but... I mean, four of the five goals are just awful defensive mistakes, defensive breakdowns that cannot happen. One's a bad line change. The other, you're just looking at it like, how does this happen over and over again? It looks like, as Mike Russo said, this team doesn't play with structure. And that's the kind of person you need to watch. Look at what the Leafs, like Myrtle and Bourne and Scott Wheeler, read what they say when you watch the game against Toronto. Because they are a new set of eyes that hasn't watched the Panthers all year. And they're going to tell you the same thing that Russo just saw. These defensive breakdowns are unacceptable and they can't happen. And if the Wild can put up five on you and the Wild are not a great team, what are the Leafs going to do? What are the Lightning going to do? The Lightning put seven up on them already. You know, what are these great teams going to do? You know, that to me is you have to watch because bad teams might not punish the Panthers for defensive breakdowns like that, but good teams will and the Leafs are a good hockey team. I think you nailed it. I mean, you don't have to have played hockey to understand X's and O's or to, and even if you don't maybe understand the right words or even um, like the, the systems behind them. Or something like that. Right. You can see when a defensive breakdown see. happens and you can say, wow, they screwed that up. And if you see it over and over again, you could say, wow, I've seen them screw that up multiple times. Why does that keep happening? And then you go and read what Mike Russo says, and you say, well, it makes sense now. You know, like, that, these are the things that we, that you can see as a fan. It doesn't matter what your level of hockey knowledge is. Like, if you're watching the NFL, and you're watching the Dolphins give up a 75-yard touchdown because of a Boston to tell you, wow, that's bad. You know what I mean? You don't need to be Pep Guardiola to say, man, this team just completely collapsed defensively, right? That's what I'm saying. When you watch this team and you see some of these defensive breakdowns, they're amateur defensive breakdowns. And it looks like they're not structured. They want the D to lead the offense, but they don't do it in the right way. They put too much on the D, 
in the offensive zone and then they're chasing in the defensive zone and you see what happens how many times do the panthers get chased around in the defensive zone cycle 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 and they can't get the puck back that's on the d in many ways and, and then they Daniel's don't not playing horribly they... aaron ekblad's not playing horribly and it's like mike matheson isn't this bad you know what i mean maybe mark pesic and alexander petrovich are but mike matheson isn't this bad he's had a horrible year and some of it is coaching most of it's coaching and you watch it and you just go, really? Like, this happens every single night. And it, as George Richards says, this team, I think they know what's going wrong where they don't know how to fix it. But they, you go into that locker room, you look at their faces and you see what they say and you go, this team looks like they just had to put down old Yeller. That's a really sad movie. What I don't understand is... Like you said, they they don't have a structure. Well, they do, but the structure is a free flow of their defense to activate and come back as they see fit, regardless of the other D situation. And the the forwards, like, do you have a forward to cover you back or, you know, where the opposition is? They just, when they feel like going, they go. When they don't feel like going, they don't go. Um, And like you talked about, they're so preoccupied with getting up ice to start the rush that they don't see the the guy behind them, that they don't they don't go and help their partner um, or the center when they need it, when they need puck support, when they just pick up a puck out of the corner and they have like a half second to put the puck into an open spot, but they're not paying attention, so they put the puck into open spot and the opposition gets there first because. The other defenseman is two feet up the ice where he should be, and he can't get to that puck because he's just way too far up the ice. And the forwards are already in the neutral zone. Exactly, yeah. And when for a team that has defense that are so active going up the ice, they have the biggest gaps coming back. And it's probably a reaction to only having odd man Russians coming back at you how if you're the last D back, you're going to be pushing back on your own uh, to kind of slow the play down uh, and, and hope you can get some some help on the back check. But how many times do they just back into their zone, back into their goal? And that's why they give up these prime chances right down the middle. I mean, like, when you look at those heat maps from Micah McCurdy, right, you see, look at where they take their shots from. Look at where they give up their shots. That's not what the heat map should look like. They should not be red hot on the corners of the circles taking point shots that don't have much hope, right? And then seeing the home plate area completely red, right? Why? That's a structural problem. And I'm going to go back to what Shane was saying, that this team, I'm going to go cite what he has, what he has written, and I think... He has the team A that played really well, that 122-game point pace. They were slightly better, five on five. They got good goals for. They were shooting the puck pretty well. They weren't hysterically unlucky. And then the other two teams, you've got that little PDO number, right? And you see that they're slightly unlucky, but they're not great. Team B was the team that started last season, and Team C is like five on five Corsi percentage here. I don't necessarily think it's goaltending. It's, again, what is your quality of shot? Where are you taking shots? I'd like to see the high-danger scoring chances for and where the Panthers are because we have now established, I think, in, in reading up about hockey and learning about the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, is a great example of this. We now know that there are such things as empty calorie shots, taking shots for the take of staking shots, right? I think we've established that that's a thing that can happen and why the Hurricanes always underperform their possession numbers. The Panthers are doing it to a lesser extent. They take shots to boost their numbers. And when you're watching that game against the Wild, you would think, oh, the Panthers are dominating. Look at their shot numbers. Look at their possession numbers. And you're like, well, they're giving up the same number of high-danger scoring chances, and they're getting the same number of high-danger scoring chances as the Wild are. So I don't think teams care too much if we're getting point shots from Keith Yandel 70 feet out along the half wall as opposed to getting a shot in the middle of the Royal Road from Barkov who wasn't getting anything. Like, that's really what we're talking about, where the puck possession numbers don't really tell you the whole story. And obviously you want to possess the puck more than you don't, and the Panthers have been a decent puck possession team. 
but when you don't get good scoring chances and when you give up good scoring chances, you have a major issue. I'm going to do one soccer comparison before I let you back in, Tommy, on this. There was a Tottenham team a couple years ago coached by Andre Villas-Boas who possessed the ball really well, but when they got to the final third, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. They ran out of ideas, and they prayed that Gareth Bale would hit a left footed howitzer into the net to break them out of this because they didn't have runs they didn't have ideas so they did everything right until they got to the final third and then they didn't know what to do and once they gave up something they were fragile and they fell apart that's what the panthers are they're a team that does a lot of the little things in many ways going forward pretty well but then they don't know what to do when it gets to connecting those last passes making the right decisions cycling in the offensive zone and when it goes wrong the other way they collapse because this is a fragile team. And Keith Yandel has said they're a fragile team, so we can say that now. And that, to me, is what this team is. And that is a structural problem. That is coaching. And in many ways, you could have players that aren't very good, like Anthony Greco being called up and giving prime roles and going minus three and playing poorly. But that is a coaching problem. That is a systemic issue with the way the Florida Panthers play. And that has to be addressed. And while we see Bob Boogner changing lines all the time, we have not seen a fundamental change in the way Bob Bugner coaches this team to play and the style is not bad in principle but in practice it doesn't work with what he has and he has to adjust Jack Capuano has to adjust we've seen Paul McFarland adjust to make the power play better and the penalty kill is better than it was but it isn't just goaltending when you watch these teams have the same defensive breakdowns over and over again and you can't look at possession numbers when this team doesn't generate good high danger scoring chances and they take most of their shots from the wings from defensemen and then once they take that shot, it's one and done. The defense are caught up and then it's a break the other way. That's not how this team should structurally play, but it is. And when you watch it, you can see this is where all of it starts. This is where the breakdowns come in. And now you see why this team is 11, 13 and six, no better than they were last year, even if stylistically they were a lot worse and they had worse possession numbers because structurally this team is failing. And I'm pretty sure most people in that dressing room know that, but they don't know how to fix it because the coaches seemingly don't know how to fix it. It's definitely a coaching problem. And I don't think at any point or in any situation, they have good system. I think we've talked about the defense and, and how they need to you know, rotate into the play, activate into the play in the offensive zone when it dictates, uh, and from the neutral zone in counterattack. Uh, but, you know, stop all this jumping into the breakout, being a fourth forward in the breakout, being up over the hash marks. I mean, it's just not working. Uh, and, and focusing more on possession hockey. I mean, they. I think... When you look at Corsi, everybody is going for Corsi's now. And most teams accept that Corsi is a good indicator of run of play, of if you're getting the puck in meaningful moments and getting shot attempts. And those matter. Those matter more than other things, and, and stats have proved that. But when everybody's going for that, other things start to matter more. And you talked about scoring chances and things like that. High danger um, scoring chances, home right. plate area scoring chances. Royal road passes, one-timers, and, and things like that. Um, but there's also a lot that you can do for defense and just cycling. Like, remember when we had Yager and we used to cycle? Other teams do that to us. And look how confused, even on a good shift or when we're playing well, the team just starts to unravel because it just shifts and shifts and chaos and eventually breaks down and it piles up florida needs to start applying to that so they need to stop going for the run of the play and start going for the you know the majority of possession time and and start taking away potential offensive time for the other team by eating minutes up in the offensive zone you have the horses at least in the top half of your lineup to grind it out and you know i i think you can find easy, cost-effective ways to, to get that in your bottom line. I'm not saying you dump and chase and you cycle. I'm saying you zone entry, you try to find something high-quality off the rush. If it's not there, you build possession, you cycle, and you try to find something high-quality with quick 
puck movement and quick shots and, and you know it's you not hard it's not impossible no well watch how jonathan uberno and barkoff play together right because you remember a couple, you, you were saying it with Yager, when they'd cycle teams to death, and then they'd be there for two minutes, right? Look at what this team does on the power play, and look at how they pass. Look at how they cycle. Look at how they move. Why can't they do that at even strength? It makes no sense, right? Because the power play is pretty good, and you see their puck movement. They move the puck really well. They move around. They get good looks because of that. You know what I mean? They're not just looking to blast it from the point all the time. You've seen a lot of goals this year where the puck movement was really, really good. Right? Why can't they do that at even strength? I know they might not necessarily have the players to do it. They might have more rush guys, but you've got Barkov. Use him. Nobody can take the puck off of him. You've got Huberto, who's playing some of the best hockey of his career. You've got Dadanoff, who could do the same thing. Why does this have to happen all the time? And I also want you to mention something about Jim Montgomery and reading that article written by Matt DeFranks in this, in this hilarious, right? Uh, about how defense is a critical component of offense, but how it's such a different way of bringing it into the offense than what Bob Bugner thinks. And the Stars are not a great team, but they have a structural idea of how they want to play, and they've stuck to it, and they look a lot better this year than Florida does. Defensemen aren't drivers of offense. They might be drivers of the breakout. They might be drivers of possession. They might be drivers of play but they're not drivers of the offense. They're facilitators of the offense. And I think that's how Florida needs to start looking at it. Uh, you know, they need puck movers, not puck rushers and puck carriers. I mean, it's great when Mike Matheson can go end to end, but we need the old Mike Matheson who, I mean, yes, at times he got Trochek syndrome where he puts his head down in those circles in the offensive zone, but he was quick passes on the breakout. He was, you know, playing, you know, decent defense, getting the puck and moving it. And, uh, you know, that's what they need more of. They don't need the guys who get the puck and go all the way up, or they don't need the guys who skate up on the breakout with the forwards. I, I think they are getting close to the point where they have a stacked forward group, especially if the prospects we think will pan out, pan out and get the play. That, you know, that's a big F these days. But if that happens, they'll have enough forwards. Just let them do their job. You know, it's it's a, it's no wonder carrying it into the offense. Yeah. Zone. I mean, but it's like, draw, how many times this year on a Panthers broadcast has you heard Goldstein or Potvin or Moeller talk about, oh, he's drawn the most penalties this year in the league, right? Then why not have him drive the puck into the zone so he can draw penalties? Because no one can take the puck off of him. It's not like Barkov is slow. Right. That what happens? What happens when the D jumps? When the weak side D jumps on the breakout? What does smart, cautious Barkov or not cautious? I mean, I, I don't want to say that because there's so many people who mislabel him. But Barkov always makes the best play for the team at all times, and the best play for a center at that time with the D jumping is to hang back. So Barkov's hanging back now, further than he does, than an F3 does. What is the value of that to get Mackenzie Wegar up the ice earlier, right? Why don't we just get the puck down the zone and then have them activate on the cycle? Have them activate down the boards into the cycle or into the slot and get a pass out of the cycle or things like that. It's much easier off the cycle to regroup, to slow down play, to because um, you're making short passes quick passes you're catching teams napping i mean there's and a reason do that there's a reason real quick there's a reason yuho lamico doesn't have that many points it's not because he's bad offensively it's because he's a guy who's trying to keep his ice on the NHL level and his coach is telling him you get the puck down low pick your head up if the d's open you throw it up the boards to him and he does it time after time and time again so what does the d do they take it, they walk the line, or they take take a couple of seconds, and then they take a shot that's low percentage, not likely to go in, and he tries to get to the net for a tip, and he's and he does it. He's a good sport about it, but imagine if he was on the cycle instead, where he was told, you know, to try to drive the net or come off and attack the dots and 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 put that puck into danger zone and encouraged to do that instead of making or the save play. Rebounds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here, here's what I want to say. 
in that in that way. I know sometimes it sounds like it's going a bit too, you know, inside baseball or inside hockey in this case, but it's simple stuff. It's like, why do you need the puck to go to the D all the time? Well, who's the best team in the right now in the NHL? It's the Lightning. I think there's no doubt about that. They're the best team in the league. Watch how they play in the offensive zone. Well, you saw what happened to the Panthers when they played against Lightning. That's not the D driving all that happens. They went to the D when all the other options weren't available. They cycled down low. Cycle behind the net. And we're talking about the fastest team in the league with Kucherov and Point and Tyler Johnson and Andre Pilat and Sorelli and JT Miller, right? That's what they do. And I also say this because I listened to what John Cooper was talking about on 31 Thoughts recently, and it's the anti-Panthers. Everything he says is the anti-Panthers, right? He talks about body language and what he says and how your team follows that, right? What's the first thing that you hear if the Panthers lose a close game? Well, this call could have gone our way, right? Oh, that goal shouldn't have counted. Devils and Blues, right? Oh, no, he cross-checked the defenseman in front of the net. Oh, they no. They already have a power play. They don't need more penalties. They're already clicking at an incredibly hot pace. You can't do much better than you already are as an NHL power play. And it's always about... The, the, the Panthers are becoming an organization whose motto should be, it wasn't me. Like, you should walk in the BB&T Center and hear that song by Shaggy. Because that kind of feels like what it is. It that would that would get people to show up, I'll tell you that. If, it if they played, would. It it's wasn't me song. on a new ball game. It's, it's, it's great. But, I mean, like, everything. But here's the thing. Who are the best players on the Panthers? It's Luongo, it's Barkov, it's Huberto, it's, in many ways it's Yandel. And they yeah. never talk about excuses they always say i could have done this better i could have done yeah. that better right it's a lot of i and we statements yeah you know it's, it's like, never it's never a you and them like the panthers are an organization that always finds a way to say why did this not go our way and when it goes our way we'll be fine that's not what it is and that's why the goaltending argument to me was really bad because it says ah well if it, if we didn't have james reimer the panthers would have been five points better and been a bubble team well great but, that doesn't make them any better than they are. They'd still have the same structural problems. And, and, and Shane, I hate bringing this up again, but he brought up the Ducks. And he said, John Gibson's playing so well that you don't hear about how bad the Ducks are defensively. Well, no, I seem to think I hear about that a lot because they haven't scored goals this year. And unless John Gibson was, is a superhuman an android, then the Ducks would be garbage, right? We watched the Panthers play the Ducks. You can't tell me that the Panthers didn't outplay Anaheim, but they took low percentage shots, easy saves for John Gibson to make, and Anaheim won because they took their chances. You know what I mean? That is at least a somewhat decent way of playing, even if structurally it's terrible and they give up too many shots. What about the Ottawa Senators right now who have more points than the Panthers do? They are defensively a complete and total train wreck. They suck, right? The Panthers have put up, what, 12 goals on them in the two games this year against Ottawa? They are awful defensively. But they at least play a high-energy style of hockey where they get chances and they take chances. And it's a structural idea of how to play, even if Greg Anderson is getting barraged with goals and shots because the defense in front of him are pretty terrible, right? That's at least somewhat of an idea of how to play structurally. And the Ducks, as we said, while they have are terrible in puck possession, right? They give up chances left and right. I don't know. I don't watch a ton of them, but maybe they're low percentage chances, so at least John Gibson can save them. You know what I mean? Like, would you rather give up a bunch of low percentage chances or a few high percentage chances you know are going to go in? Because NHL offense is getting better than the defending and the goaltending right now, right? I, I just don't understand. Like, I guess I think he's right in a, in a sense – but also, just because they'd be better off with average goaltending doesn't mean that they'd actually be a better team or they'd be playing better hockey. And, like, the fact that he pointed to the Ducks, I think, proves that. Like, the Ducks aren't playing well. And just because Gibson's hiding it and you don't hear about it doesn't mean it's not there. And I think that's, like, if his argument is that they would be better this year if they had average goaltending. Yes, they would be better this year if they had average goaltending. Um, their goaltending is the biggest problem overall because they need a goaltender to win a cup, and right now they have Montembeau and some seventh rounder who is probably not going to be anything. So other than that, they have no, no other option. 
just just payments to probably Reimer, who they're going to have to pay to trade, pay to bury, or pay to buy out, and whatever they get hit from Luongo's retirement, uh, or have to pay or keep paying him to play, which is maybe even worse next year. I don't. I, I think you have to have two completely new goalies next year. But that doesn't mean that you don't also have to have at three to four new defensemen, a new defensive coach, a new head coach, a new hockey system, probably a new general manager, um, and, and a lot of other things. Can so, we talk about GMs? Because I think the idea that Talon could be gone is getting a little bit of steam and credence, and we know that ownership has tried to fire him before and failed. Uh, what would you want in a new GM? Because I was talking with somebody and they said Mark Hunter, and I bristled at that because, you know, I don't I necessarily... think Mark Hunter would be the best if they're going to hire someone like a talent. I think Mark Hunter would probably be the best bet to do it in a small market team because he'd at least draft really well and you'd have that going for you. But I don't know what kind of team he wants to build. How does he want his team to play? You know what I mean? Because the Leafs ended up playing. Well, look at how the draft. London Knights play. I mean, I, I guess as your London Knights play, they play amazing. They play. Yeah. If, I mean, like I think that they would play. If 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 he could do what he does with the London Knights, I mean, he doesn't have the money. Like that's. I don't think Mark Hunter would come to Florida because he does not. To be frank, he does not fuck with people who does not have money. I mean, he's the London Knights have a ton of money. The Washington Capitals had a ton of money. The Toronto Maple Leafs had a ton of money, and he's out in New York with the Islanders, and that's just kind of as a favor, and he's a consultant, but I bet you they're at least – the Islanders are probably suffering because they have to devote so much budget to Hunter than they probably should. Or, or to get arena built, you know. But, like, if I'm talking about the Panthers and a new GM, what do I want? I want a team that has an idea. Sergey Penner. Well, well – Pavel Burry. They both yeah. want to be GMs. Why not? Well, of course. I mean, but oh, Yari Kekalainen. But I mean, like beyond that, like, don't you want a team that has an idea of how they want to play? It's ingrained from top to bottom in the organization, and then you hire somebody to execute that vision. I want somebody in from the Lightning or the Leafs or the Jets or the Predators or any number of these good teams. Or even if you're hiring somebody from the Ducks. They might play terrible stylistic hockey, but they draft and develop players so dang well, right? I want somebody from one of those organizations that knows how to draft and develop players and get them to be where they need to be, but can also bring in new ideas. How can we integrate X, Y, and Z? How can we exploit what little advantages we do have while we're here? You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of mindset I want in Florida. I mean... Can you hire Brandon Pridham to bring over Cam Sharon, Extra Skater, Mike Dixon, bring them all back? You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. Hire somebody from the Lightning's organization. They seem to be doing pretty okay right now. I, you I hire Julian Brisebois, but... I, I wonder, I don't... I don't want to just chase other teams' good guys who might fall off, who might not be able to be kept. You know what I mean? Like... That's that's fine in principle, but I think they need to be get more ahead. I think that's too chasing, too trying to. If you can't beat them, steal them. Right, but I think they need to get ahead of it more. I, I mean, this is realistic, but also kind of not. But Ralph Kruger, head coach and co-GM with Chris Pronger. I would be okay with that. Ralph, I mean, Ralph Kruger is what the executive. He's the chairman of a team chairman. that's currently in the relegation zone in the Premier League. But Southampton has done some very good things in the Premier League that I admire greatly. But are they, do they have a shot of getting to the Premier League this year? Of uh, staying in the league, yes. At least for now, they do. They might not if we come back and revisit this in three months. But wait, right I thought you said do. that they're in the second. No, they're in the Premier League. They've been in the Premier League for a while. Um, they are in the relegation. Yeah, zone. that's right. Oh, they're in the so, yeah. Yes, they're competing with your beloved Crystal Palace. But, I mean, you know, if they fall He's out... He's made and, overtures of wanting to come back to the NHL. He could co he'd be a good coach. You give him you give him a little bit of incentive by having control and stuff. And you, I don't care. Give him some vice president or chairmanship, too. So when you pay him, you're filling multiple salaries. And you, that's good for the budget. I mean, I'm trying like to be that, realistic. But you know what I mean. You know, but I'm trying to be realistic. Like, I guess somebody, like you said, someone who knows how to 
work a team and instill a culture and and get a professional level of execution and a level of standards. Um, and whether money is a big or small thing, he understands you got to spend some money and how to spend but it. But if you because can't think, spend money, how I do think, you best exploit the resources you well, do have? Well, let's be honest. They don't. The Panthers spend it terribly. I mean, one point three million on Michael Hutchinson is a waste of one point three million. You could have done so much better in goaltending. Oh, and Michael Haley. Right. You put that together. There's your buyout for Ryan. I mean, like you know, you start. You start small, and and you make good decisions there. But they don't. I mean, at some point, we're gonna have to deal with Jamie McGinn, possibly, or McKenzie. Well, his contract's up more, at the end of the year. How how many years of um. Colin Seaver, do we have left? I mean, two more. You two need more to, you need somebody who is going to make a lot of really good decisions and very little bad decisions if you want to win under this ownership, especially if they're not going to bump the budget up much. I mean, they're spending a lot on players this year, but here's the thing: you can spend a lot of money on your. Are they? Salary. Are they? Yes. Yes. Insurance, right? Insurance. Um, they're at seventy-five million in salary expenditure. I don't know what insurance is covering. I'm assuming it's covering some of it, but I mean, yeah, I I can see that. But, but again, also, you, you, how how much money are they spending for guys that should be here? I mean, a lot of it's dead, unused, stupid money. Well, I mean, as I said, some of those contracts they gave out a couple years ago really quite bad. Um, but also, I mean, just think about what you can spend unlimited amounts of money on. You can spend unlimited on coaching, and you can spend unlimited on scouting, on data, all these things. And the Panthers, it's clear, don't spend a lot of money there. So if you spend a lot of money on your cap, well, that's great. But if they'd spent $5 million less on their cap, right, and then they had spent Two million more on coaching, so they could get a defensive coordinator, and and two million more on data acquisition and scouting and all these things. The Panthers would be a better organization because of it. You can't skimp if you want to win. You can do well by Panther standards, but you can't skimp on that sort of thing. Don't make excuses about why we can't win. Tell me what can we do to win? Because you know what, this team once did make the Stanley Cup final. They didn't have a great system then. This team once did. Get Pavel Bure. You know, they still drafted Alexander Barkov over Jonathan Duran and Seth Jones. They have made good decisions. Why can't they continue to make more good decisions? You know what I mean? Like, look at look at some of these teams right now. The Lightning are spending only a fraction more on their cap than the Panthers are. A fraction more. Right? The Vegas Golden Knights are spending less, but their cap is also, you know, hit by David Clarkson. So are the Leafs and the Jets, and the Predators. How can you spend your money wisely? If you have a pot of $100 million, and you have to divvy it up, it's resource allocation, how can we best use what we have, right? And the Panthers don't do that. Spending money is one thing, and I, of course I wish they would spend more money. I wish they'd make money. And I know that that is difficult in some of the situations that they have, but if that's the case, divvy up your resources better. If you're good on the stock market, if you're good in business, you know that that's what you have to do. And the Panthers don't do that. And that, to me, is a, is, it's not a sign of anything that we didn't already know. But if we're going to hire somebody new, I want somebody outside the organization who has not been here and can come in here and give an audit and says, this is what's happening, this is what needs to be done to fix it, and this is what I can do with a brain trust around me to fix these problems and give you an idea from top to bottom. You know what I mean? That's what I want from the Panthers. Whether it's Brandon Pritam or anybody else, who the heck knows? I want somebody who understands the European style of team hockey, of puck of management, of all of that. I want someone who understands, believes in it, and puts that onto the ice at that level, at that top decision-making level. Because unless that happens, I mean, I don't think I mean, it's the strength. It's going to be the strengths of the team. It, I mean, look at where the best prospects come from. Look at the best players right now. They all play that type of team, five in the picture, Russian, Swedish, Finnish style. 
You're not wrong. I mean, I would I would see. I don't know who that would be, but like if you're the Panthers. Sweet. What are the, what's his name? The Ricard. Ricard Gronberg. Yeah, wants to be an NHL coach in the very near future. He's looking I'd at take that chance. I mean, it's it, it would be cheap, right? Certainly for them. I mean, you know I, don't what I, mean? The, I don't know what the, the, the Swedish krona to uh, dollars conversion rate is at this point. Well, I mean, if he's just look, if he's looking for, like, how many teams are going to be t- willing to take a chance on him and stuff, and he uh, understands that teams yeah, are going to take a chance yeah, on him. Yeah, it's gonna, they don't like Swedes, but, I mean, I You know, understand. it's not going to come in at much more than a million, right? So that's... Not too much more. Or, you know, so it's, it's in the Panthers' budget, so it's perfect. But, I mean, but, I mean maybe like the other the idea is, is also, like, just how can you best use what you're good at? How can you best use the idea of, we're in Florida, you won't have to talk to a lot of media. You can live your life as a normal person while being an NHL hockey player, right? These are things that you can do. How can we best use our resources as we are given to them and as we create them? That's just all the things that I want to do. And I mean, like, as I said, like, bring in something new. They tried that with analytic with it a couple of years ago. The problem is they just believed in the wrong dude. The dude was selling them snake oil and was a fraud. But that was not a bad idea. You just executed it poorly. If you wanted to try it again and brought in somebody like that, if you had somebody with the bona fides to run a team that knew what they were doing, Kyle Dubas, you could figure something out and it would work, right? You just need the support behind them. And right now, what kind of support are the Panthers getting? It looks like there is no idea what's happening in this organization. It looks like everyone's scared and frozen. You know like you I mean? said, everyone's looking to somebody else. They're looking for the ref or a call. They're looking it's at the puck for a bounce. It's that Spider-Man meme, right? Yeah. It's like that's like that. That's not what the Panthers should be about. The Panthers should be about what. Or is it? I mean, or is that just the Panthers? Like at some point, I think everybody's going to need to draw the line in the sand. And send that message to ownership because. Oh, I think they're starting to with the. You know, yeah. I mean, I've seen some people giving away their season tickets. I mean, Hawk is. uh, I don't want to. I don't know if you appreciate saying his name, but anybody knows who I'm talking about. He's a very loud and proud supporter of Florida. I saw him put up something about selling the rest of his remaining season ticket package. Anyone interested? Whatever. Take. uh, You know. I'll take best offer for it or something like that or for the rest of my t- season tickets or partial season tickets. Don't want them. I mean, so. like, that's like, that, that's, I think people are just tired now of this stuff. And we're tired of saying this over and over again. And we, we want them to understand, like, you can change. We'll give you another chance as fans or as people who aren't just deeply cynical of what you're doing all the time. But you have to show the willingness to make those changes. And they haven't. And... At a point, it's like, well, what more can I say, right? And we have gone 18 minutes over what I was supposed to do, which was keep this like 40 minutes-ish, but this is basically what we're going to say. It's not like this is going to be the last show, but this is something like we we just, we don't want to be talking about the same thing over and again. Somebody has to talk. I said that it was neglect, right? And that sounds like a harsh term, but it's like no one's addressing any of the concerns and they're twisting in their wind and everybody's desperate for an answer. There's something to happen, a trade, a firing, a... A statement from Vinny Viola saying, this is unacceptable, we will fix this. And this is what I want to do to fix this. You know what I mean? That's all that I want. I want somebody to go in and say, this is unacceptable, how can we fix this problem? What? Here's what I want to do to fix this problem. That's all that I want, right? And we haven't gotten it. And this team was once a little too vocal, but now they've gone the opposite direction, and that's not any better. It's probably even worse. That's all yeah. I want. All right, and just to finish, last thing, because as I looking through my timeline just to see if Borgstrom is recalled, the Stars have recalled Dennis Gorionov, so maybe we should recall Borgstrom. And then I'm seeing a lot of people just say, you know, they've been watching the AHL, they don't think his play is worthy of being called up. This is what I'm going to say to all of that. He's not ready, yada, yada. He has never been in a league where he hasn't been the best or one of the best in the league from game one, from before the puck drop on game one. Same thing in the AHL. He was one of the best forwards in the AHL from puck drop. Sheer talent and be able to produce all that stuff. He's just one of the best. 
it's the same when he went to Denver, and it's why last year I wanted him to not go to Denver and go to the AHL to challenge him. So he wasn't one of the best in the league. And he needs to get that. He needs to get that urgency. The only way to make him better, to fill in the gaps in his game, is to put him under Barkov and Huberto's wing to, so he can learn from them in practice, to see what he has to do in the practice day in, day out. It's clear he's not getting bigger. He's not getting stronger. He's not whatever on the on his Denver or AHL or whatever plan. He's not doing it playing with Joel Lowry. Look at, look at pictures of Jonathan Huberto from his draft day to now. And Barkov. That boy got fit. Like, he is a monster now. And Barkov. Like, he needs to be with them, in the gym with them all the time. I don't care if he's playing third-line minutes. I don't care if he's playing 12 – he's playing, you know, 12 minutes a night or 13 minutes a night. That's better than playing with Thompson or Bykov or, like, even like Repo. Like, all these guys are at best depth guys or maybe call-ups or emergency call-ups or lifetime AHLers who aren't even as good as, like, you know – the other team's lifetime AHLers. It's it's not a good place for him to be. His coach is Gordy Kinnear, who we all know is not someone who has what it takes to turn Borgstrom into a star. I don't think Bugner does, but Barkov might, Huberto might, I think Yandel might be able to help with that too. Like I think I think that'd be that's better to drive him. I think, you know, players are pushed more by the guys inside the room anyway. So I think that's what you got to do. get them inside that room, get those reps. Barkoff and, and, and Huberto worship at the altar of Yager. This stuff trickles down, right? Barkoff and Huberto went to the church of Yager, and they got better because of it. They saw what Yarmir Yager did, and training for Yager was one of the best moves the Panthers have made in recent years because it made Huberto and Barkoff better, Right. I get, give me. Be damned if they make the same move, the same right move twice. They'll be damned. It seems like it, but we hope you enjoyed this longer chat than we expected. But it was supposed to be with the George Richards interview. We'll have more coming up. Probably more interviews. I think I want to interview some people. Uh, you have a friend that you're going to bring on the podcast that I'm really excited to talk to in the coming weeks. I want to get to some other people. Talk to Sean Tierney, Micah McCurdy, some of these other people. We can go into some of these other discussions about other hockey things to try to give you an idea of like what else is out there, what can you learn, and how can we all be more informed? Because there's nothing, there's a reason to not be more informed, and we'll see where this goes. I mean, I'm excited to see Borgstrom at the very least, but I mean, this team. I'm excited to see Harrell more, especially since if they both like. I'm just saying it right now. I don't care if if Borgstrom plays against the Leafs in hockey in Canada. I'm just not even gonna look at him. Okay, I just don't even. I don't even want to. I'll look at Howlick or whatever, but I'll I'll look at Buffalo really to give them because it's not like it's not like a situation where they're getting called up to just play one and done like kind of Greco was uh, playing to keep playing. I mean, you, Borgstrom, you know, is not going to be just sent down really. No, he's going to get a lot of time. So I I don't. That's a that's a weird game where I'm expecting him to get stomped. So I don't know if he's going to play a lot, and I don't think that's going to be because of his play. But Howerluck, I, I expect – I think he'll play a little more because he's older, more refined, plays better in the bottom six, so can play different minutes and have more opportunities than a Lordstrom. But well, right off the bat, it's a tough game. The Red Wings and the Blackhawks coming up, who are total trash. Yeah, well, the Panthers just, I mean, every game for the Panthers is a struggle to exist. It is a struggle to show signs of life and signs of good hockey. So, I mean, every opponent is a team that's better than them on most nights. I mean... Unless it's the Kings, basically. Yeah, but again, at the end of the day, the Kings can always just turn it on for a period or a game or whatever because they're the Kings. They still have, like... All it needs is Jonathan Quick to not feel his age and injuries. And all it takes is, you know, they have Dowdy, they have guys who can get the job done, who won some cups. Are you excited for Jonathan Quick, the Philadelphia Flyer? 
No, I don't think Quick does anymore. No one wants him. Everyone knows. Everyone knows that his whole game was on his athletic ability, and his athletic ability is gone. He's done. He's LA's. Maybe in the next show, we'll spend it talking about the Flyers and how they are also quite bad. But anyway, at least they're doing things, and at least they—they they, they made changes, and they seem like they want to. And that's all I'm asking to pay. And you know, Fletcher was at least good enough, and I like the. The assistant, they're the vice president, assistant general manager that they brought over from Minnesota. Floor. Yeah. So, I mean. It's a move. It's a we'll thing that happened. Again, I'm not judging the Fletcher. I'm not judging Fletcher until I know which coach he goes with next year. What coach he wants to go with. Then, then I'll judge. Um, anyway, if it's Axel, it's going to be. Uh, anyway, go Lightning. I was ecstatic they beat the Leafs last night. I'm rooting for them. <laughs> Going uh, Avs and Leafs. I mean, the Avs, I, I can root for the Avs. Avs and whoever's playing the Florida Panthers because it's Capo Caco time. Uh, I'm not rooting against the Panthers yet. I have to do that with the Jaguars and the Mets, so and I don't have time to do that in my life. Oh, boy. Here, I'll leave you with this note. I just saw Boy Erased, a fantastic film that every one of you should see, and you should all go out and see immediately. Uh, it doesn't matter what your sexuality is. And I will tell you, having watched some of the intense scenes in that movie, I felt less emotional dread doing that than watching the Panthers just wilt away against the Wild. And that should tell you something because that that movie was intense. It's heavy. It's, it's heavy. It I've, I've seen the trailer. It was a movie to sit through at times, and I felt less emotional dread watching certain scenes, which I will not spoil for you, but you will understand when you see them, than watching the Panthers just fold up against the Wild. And... And this is coming from a dude who is very outspoken about some of these things. And, yeah, that made me feel. So, anyway. I'm just going to go eat some Johnson Johnson baby powder. Talk to you later. Adios and good hockey, maybe.